1: is the pride of detroit p-o-d cast pride of detroit.com at pride of detroit on twitter pride of detroit on facebook you know how to find us it's the podcast for pride of detroit p-o-d first three the abbreviation of pride of detroit first three letters of podcast it's what we are it's what we do love it leave it don't care you're here with us now and you're stuck with us i am chris Perfett, the adequate host at CRISPRFET, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Returning once again to the flagship podcast now that I no longer have, like, things blocking my tongue and I'm actually able to speak. And, wow, that sounded really dirty. Much dirtier than it had to be. Uh, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, is here. He is at Detroit Online. How are you doing, Jeremy?
2: I'm a little shook from that last sentence you said, but otherwise I'm doing
3: all right. Wow.
1: And... He is here. He's thrilled that we're on Spotify. His name is Ryan Matthews. Black, the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore pod, as long as Spotify, also iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, but really he just cares about Spotify, isn't that right, Ryan?
0: Yeah, it's the buzzword for me. It's the only it's the only platform that I get up for.
1: It's it's I, I'm reminding him of it because we're try, I'm trying to keep everyone super high energy. I'm trying to keep everyone at least moderately energized after what happened on sunday i think that's probably about as direct I'm, as i can make the bridge there
0: yeah i'm trying to stay moderately energized after a 12 hour work day but continue
1: well there's that and there is the fact minnesota vikings 24 detroit lions 9 lions kept out of the end zone altogether the minnesota vikings set a franchise record what was it 10 sacks Yes, sir. Did I count that right? Ten sacks on Matthew Stafford. A day of complete errors, miscalculations, fumbles, and just very bad play all around. Usually this is where I give the first word to Jeremy Reisman, but I feel like I'm going to give it to Ryan here to kind of get some raw energy out of this because I've got, I've got a rage corner coming later on some stuff that made me mad from this game, but I want Ryan's just energy. I want your energy right now.
0: Okay, well, as far as energy goes, my energy is the same level as the Lions energy was on offense on Sunday, which means it's pretty low and it isn't very invigorated and it doesn't leave many people inspired. So Sunday, I mean, Sunday, the best way to describe Sunday is like There were as many sacks as you can count on your two hands, and as long as you have all your digits, that's how many sacks that the Vikings had in that game. They sacked Matthew Stafford 10 times. 10 times. 10. Not Nueve. 10. It's insane. Like 10 sacks. Who would have seen that coming? I don't think anybody would have seen that coming with the way that the Lions' offensive line had played up to this point in the season. Um, the, the offense looked more out of sorts in it than it has all season.
3: Um, it's,
0: uh, it's not great.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think that's kind of the thing is like, I think we all saw a world where the lions could very well lose to Minnesota, but the way in which they lost to Minnesota is the story out of this, Is it not?
3: It is. I mean, the Lions struggling on offense, to me,
2: was not that big of a surprise in this game. I mean, I'm not here to gloat, but I talked about it a lot on First Bite, how this, def- how this Lions team has struggled against this uh, Vikings team historically. But Ryan brought up a good point back then, which was that the Lions were a bit different this year than in years past, that the offensive line was better. And it was not better in this game. It, in fact, it was arguably worse. And some of it may have to do with the fact that TJ Lang is clearly on a snap count right now, and, and I'm not entirely sure why, but Kenny Wiggins is an absolute disaster. Um, part of it is because they've got a rookie in, in Frank Ragnar who maybe played the best out of anyone on the offensive line, to be honest, and and a lot of it has to do with just how good that Vikings defensive front is. I mean, they're, they're stacked there, and the fact that they haven't had 10 sacks against another opponent is kind of surprising, but at the same time, these are guys that the line should be familiar with by right now and they should have known that they were going to be bringing hate. And, and you said, you heard Matt, uh, Matt Patricia talk about it all week, how they disguise their defensive fronts and how it's, a, it's a huge challenge every week. They knew this was coming, but they absolutely looked completely unprepared for it, both in terms of pass rush and the running game, which was completely stagnant yet again.
1: So I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out where to dig in without just calling this a box of Basura. Cause that's where, where this game was like, there's nothing good that came out of this, and I think the question is, and we're gonna get into this a lot more next segment. It's like, are the Lions still contenders? I to me, a right away spoiler, alert, they're absolutely not. Especially when you're giving up ten sacks. It, it, it's a question. I really want to. I, I, I was watching this game, and all I could think about was the Jets game. And I know it's not as bad as that, but there, this, this was, this was almost as abominable in my book because it's also the middle of the season now and it's a divisional opponent. And there's just really no excuses at this point for playing as badly as they did. And there's just no real, like we, we usually try to take this time to find like, you know, positives around here. And I really don't know what the positive is out of this game. You know, Marvin Jones at least had a decent day. He had like, he was out. He had like six catches averaging 11 yards. But other than that, I, I don't know what to say, man. Not not a single part of this team played well.
3: Well, I'm going to push back on that just a little bit because it, I'm
2: not going to say this was a good performance by the team. It absolutely wasn't. Um, I don't think it was quite as bad as, as they were against Seattle, but to me this was a different loss in that this was the first time it really felt like this one was on the offense completely because the defense, it wasn't great, but they did hold Minnesota scoreless in the second half. Minnesota scored a touchdown. That was on the Matthew Stafford ridiculous pitch, whatever he was thinking. I don't know. But Snacks, again, looked dominant. He looked like he transformed this run defense into something that could potentially be good as long as they don't give up a 70-yard run when he's off the field. Unfortunately, that's exactly what they did, but there's some hope there. Secondary, however, remains a mess, and it's something that I've been rallying for the past three or four weeks has been just as bad as the run defense. In fact, I think it's worse right now. The Lions secondary, their their pass defense, I think is right now worse than their run defense. Um, Kirk Cousins only throws four incompletions all day. But to me, the defense played well enough to win this game. But the offense was just an utter disaster. And while the offense hasn't been explosive all year, they've at least been efficient at times. And this day, they weren't. When they were still in the game, and you know what? I just I went and rewatched the first half. And the Lions actually kind of met the Vikings pretty well in the first half. I, I, I actually came away feeling a lot better about how the Lions played in the first
3: half. The difference though, two field goals for the Lions offense, two touchdowns for the Vikings offense. That's that's the whole difference in the first half.
2: And maybe the game plays out a little better if if the Lions are close going into the second half and, and they'll be you know, they can At least try to run the ball in the second half. I doubt it, but to me, like, there's just way too much going on with this offense right now, and and we'll get into whether Golden Tate is is part of the reason the line struggled here or not. But um, hugely disappointed with their offensive effort, and that and that also includes Matthew Stafford.
1: That's kind of the big story out of this, isn't it, Ryan? Like Matthew Stafford did not play well at all. He only had about, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, he says. I can never read these stat sheets, right? Because ESPN always says, like, oh, he had 199 yards, but then it says Team 143, team and I always yeah, that, forget. It.
2: That subtracts the sacks. So that he, he lost the 56 yards <laughs> due to sacks.
1: Yeah, passer rating of 83 in this one. Um, Some just I, And you could tell pretty well, like, in this game, he was getting rattled, too. Like, there, there were parts where it just looked like, because he couldn't trust his offensive line, he was... Like the carry on, everyone's, talk, everyone's been talking about the carry on Johnson pitch out where Stafford goes and I don't think he even like carry on Johnson didn't, didn't seem to even know a pitch was coming his way and he just pitches it out to, to Johnson and it turns into a fumble, I believe.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. Was there a question in that where you asked me was Matthew Stafford I, bad I just, on Sunday?
1: I, I'm really bad at, at stat keeping right now. I'm, I'm really sweaty after this game. I, I don't know how to process what I was watching. I guess I'm asking oh, okay, you well, what what you felt about Stafford.
0: Being I, asked this right was here, probably one of yeah this was probably one of the worst games I've seen Matthew Stafford play in his entire career. Like I mean this is right up there with like the Cardinals game from however many years ago. Like when he got benched for in 15. Just just like an absolute like and, and and I mean I understand that he was facing duress a lot, but he also kind of put himself in in a position to be sacked quite a few times as well. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the thing that I did notice about Stafford is I, I understand like this is totally this is totally reasonable for him to you know start playing a certain way, but like he definitely got the yips at some point because it it almost seemed like when he'd hiked the ball, it was look it, it almost seemed like he wasn't even surveying like what his receivers were doing. It was almost like he was trying to pay attention to what was going on with the pass rush, <laughs> like where he was gonna have to be sensing pressure, like his pocket awareness was was so out of whack on Sunday that like it just didn't resemble the Matthew Stafford that we're that we're accustomed to seeing. And the the big the big takeaway I think for me from this game is the the complete and utter like failure of the coaching staff. Like as like as like a like top to bottom like whatever facet of the game like like everybody has every right to be so entirely upset with Jim Bob Cooter. Like I know, Jeremy. Like you pumped this out on Twitter, but hey, you know what? If the Lions are really struggling to afford themselves enough time to pass the football, maybe the last play you should ever run is a flea flicker with Legarrette Blunt.
2: <laughs> I don't know if I've like, ever seen that before. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a flea flicker not get off the ground so much that most people wouldn't even recognize that it was a flea flicker.
0: Oh, you I and you know what maybe to the untrained eye you'd be like oh wow the Lions run game's terrible no no that play was Jim Bob Cooter like you could tell by the way like (laughs) Garrett Blunt's like his entire like just demeanor like his shoulder like the way his shoulders were set like you could tell that he was gonna go back to Matthew Stafford with that ball and that's like is that just the definition of trying to play like three-dimensional chess like what the hell was that like it, it was it was so beyond reproach like it's 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 maddening like i if you could list out all of the plays that any team has ever called in the history of football like that would be the last play i would call with the way that the rest of the lions day was going on offense is like to call a flea figure i'd rather call the fumble ruski
2: right I'm, i half <laughs> expected them to do you know one of those like fake face fake double reverses that just like takes forever to develop because, yeah, I mean, and they're like they, eight, they also, they
0: eight, eight yards behind a line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think they also
2: ran one or two of those, like, super delayed screens. And guess what? They didn't work. And I get screens are supposed to be kind of a a pass rush beater or a, a blitz beater. But, I mean,
3: fooled UV,
2: it fooled nobody. And in a way, I want to give them credit for trying so many different ways to to. Compensate for Golden Tate because they said they said all week, you know, this is going to be a team effort. In a way, they tried a team effort. They had they had a uh, theoretic in the slot. They had Kenny Galladay run one of those end around runs that we've seen Tate run a million times. Um, we see which we was a successful play. It was eight yards. It was the longest run of the day, <laughs> so I guess it was a successful play. Um, <laughs> they they tried the wide
3: receiver screen with with uh, I think it was Theo Riddick. They tried getting the tight ends involved. None of it worked. And
2: you want to put that on in the offensive coordinator? Sure. Maybe he gets, needs to be a little more creative. I kind of put it on the personnel. I mean, who who really thought Theo Riddick in the slot was going to work? We've said this a million times. You put Theo Riddick in the slot, it takes away his, his effectiveness because they can put corners on him then. And, and maybe some of us expected, include, definitely including myself, expected Kenny Gallagher to break out. But I think it's becoming clear that he's just not quite there yet. I don't think he's getting open enough.
1: There's, there's just so much to do. So what we're going to do is we're, we're, we're breaking this up. Next segment, we're going to talk specifically about the question of Golden Tate and what this does for the bigger picture of this game. Because like there's, there's really not too much else to recap from this game. The Lions just got embarrassed out here. And I, I wish I could point to one singular piece of the Vikings team that like completely dismantled them. And I just really have nothing besides just like, oh my God, that defense altogether. And I think that then the segment after that, we're going to talk about the coaching staff more in depth because if, there, aren't, if there, weren't call, there weren't calls for Jim Bob Cooter's head before, there are today. But I also think it would be a disservice not to point some of this at Patricia as well. So we're going to talk about that. And some of the other reactions coming out of this because it 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 feels like a it's a meltdown Monday as we're recording right now. Just things are not going well. Things did not go well after this game either. Like almost immediately, the locker room just felt so insanely tense, and you got that from definitely some of the reporters who were there who are trying to cover this team. And uh, I, I I'll just say this as a preview. If your team's acting like that, that's not the sign of a team that's got it shit together. So we'll be right back here on the Pride of Detroit POD Pass. Pride of Detroit. Pride of Detroit.com. Pride of Detroit. Twitter. Pride of Detroit. Facebook. Pride of Detroit. uh, Myspace?
3: Jeremy? Uh, no. Instagram? Instagram? We don't really have much of an Instagram, but it exists, and you can follow it. And then once we actually start doing stuff, you could ar- you could be on the front lines already.
1: Pride of Detroit Google Plus. Oh, R.I.P. Too soon. Too soon. Not really. Twitch. Pride of Detroit on Twitch. Once we get Alex's channel to switch over to Pride of Detroit, that'll be true. I, I
2: own the Pride of Detroit Twitch channel, and I might be getting a desktop on Black Friday, so. That's Keep an good. eye out for that. Yeah. Fortnite's got NFL skins coming this week, so
1: I almost want to just talk the entire podcast about that.
2: <laughs> Maybe we will. I mean, come come no. November or late November when the Lions get beat by the Bears on Thanksgiving. Oh, is anyone going to want to talk about that
3: game?
1: Uh, Pride to Detroit I on to Discord. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right. You want right. to talk about uh, the stupid yeah, game? Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm avoiding this. I'm avoiding this. I was hoping to distract you guys with Fortnite long <laughs> enough where it's just like, please, can we not talk about this? I want to talk about fun things. I want to talk about the fun things that make me still remain a Lions fan in spite of everything. And instead, we have to talk about this stinker. All right. So, is it too much for me of a stretch to say almost immediately the Lions miss Golden Tate? I don't think Golden Tate helps them win this game. But do they, do they immediately, like, they, they were trying to obviously push Galladay and Jones, take his spot, but, and I even saw Theoretic in the slot at one point. But how much do the, let's just let me rephrase that, how much do the Lions miss Golden Tate right now?
3: It's,
2: it's kind of a lot. Like, like you said, I don't know if it switches the loss into a win, but I think it does reduce some of the sacks because some of them were on Stafford. Some of them were on Stafford looking downfield looking to his second and third reads, not seeing anyone open. Maybe the people were open. Maybe they weren't. The, the all-22 isn't out yet, and Fox just infuriatingly doesn't show enough replays. But to me, I mean, he's he's the security blanket. He's he's the drop-off guy. He's the guy that is able to turn a two-yard pass into a 15-yard gain, and the Lions just don't have that now. Theo Riddick wasn't able to do that. He turned, what, seven catches into 35 yards?
3: Y- yikes. Um, And, and, uh, yeah, T.J. Jones, nothing. Tight ends, nothing. I I mean, this
2: offense is missing something right now. And maybe it's convenient to say it's Golden Tate,
3: but it's Golden Tate. They average 3.0 yards per play. That's the worst since 2010, well before Golden Tate was even here.
2: So, I I mean, I know it looks simplistic, and I know Lions fans don't want to hear it. And I know everyone's just screaming 10 sacks, 10 sacks, 10 sacks, but sacks are more than just bad offensive line play. It's bad. I mean, we talk about the lines and how many sacks they have. Do you think the line's defensive line is that good? It isn't. It's because they have good coverage. And teams are going to have better coverage on this team now without Golden Tate. And Matthew Stafford is the one that's going to pay for it.
1: I just I I don't understand like I mean I okay so I wasn't able to talk at all last week about Golden Take cuz the time I did finally get back to this podcasting venture it was during our first bite preview so I didn't even get to give my take on it and all I'll just say is like I did I just I just didn't understand that trade altogether really and and I totally get it and but it just goes back to my it goes back to the column I wrote about Ebron before the season starts like I don't want to keep hearing about how well, excuse A, excuse B, thus C, we can't have a good player. I'm just I'm tired of it. I'm tired of seeing because slowly but surely we're seeing the offense lines dismantle. And I know Kenny Galladay's a nice little boost. I know you got Garrett Blunt, but I mean this this team was something else with its offense when it had Tate, Jones, Anquan Bolden, and Eric Ebron. And now it's you know you t- as as you're saying, Jeremy, as you take away options against modern NFL defenses, that hurts you more than ever. It's it's removing a domino that you just cannot you cannot really replicate so easily. And I think the Lions were feeling it on on Sunday. Ryan, what's your what's your take on this situation? Like, I mean, because again, obviously, this wasn't completely on missing out on one receiver, but. I just, how big, like, how big is the reverberations from this? Mm,
3: uh,
0: You know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a part of overreaction Monday, I don't think. And and I'm going to walk away from this game saying it's, at the same time, it's one game. Like, I don't, I don't want to overreact and I don't want the, I don't want the needle to, you know, go too far over and say like, oh yeah, like the Lions definitely missed Golden Tate. Like, it's one game. I mean, I want to. I want to see more. Like, I need a bigger sample size before I can just sure. say that. Yeah, you know, like Golden Tate was definitely to blame. You know, the the you know the lack of Golden Tate in the Lions' offense was was to blame. And I, Jeremy's totally right. I mean, like ten sacks. That's not all in the offensive line. You know, the you know the Vikings were able to game plan for a, for a team that was undergoing like an identity shift on offense and also the Vikings just have a hellacious defense that I mean was finally starting to get healthy I mean they dealt with some injuries in the game but I mean when you got Daniil Hunter and you got you know Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph and like you know these guys are these guys are world beaters man these are some of the best defensive linemen in the NFL and you know maybe it was just a maybe it was just a matter that the Lions haven't really gone against a defensive line that you know consists of world beaters like that you know and uh it it's a myriad i think of of blame that can be shifted around everywhere um but i also don't want to jump i also don't want to jump and say that golden tate not being out there on sunday was if i'm putting percentage of like blame or fault like or for reason like i'm probably going to say like maybe like 10% of it like i can say right now like with any I'm conviction maybe like 10 10 to 15% of it, like maybe Golden Tate not being there.
1: I'm not asking you to blame Golden Tate or his absence or anything. I'm just, yeah. But I think you're onto something when you say it's probably the best defensive line, but I would even say probably the best defense that the Lions have played. Uh, I think Seattle is actually better in DVOA, but I mean, it's really hard to argue looking at Minnesota that the Lions have played a better defense right now. Am I wrong?
2: No, you're right, and I think bringing up last week is also important to keep in mind in terms of context, right? It's not like the offense was, a, a you know, well oiled well, 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 machine against the Seahawks with Golden Tate in, in tow, and and I also think Ryan brings up a good point when you take out a big chunk of your offense like Golden Tate, it's a little unrealistic to expect them to just go on without, uh, you know, go on humming without along, a yeah, without a hitch in the very first week. It, Maybe they'll adjust. I would love to see them adjust. I'd love to see. The, here's the thing that bothers me is that I feel like this team is transitioning into a run, a run heavy offense, and I don't want to see that.
1: That's terrible. And like, I just, I don't get that. Like, right? Because this is always the thing that happens in the NFL. And I'm going to use a cliche here, but it always seems that when a defensive minded coach comes in, the first thing that happens almost every time. Is that the offense just for whatever dumb reason gets dismantled, and I I just maybe that's maybe that's where I'm at. Maybe that's why I'm so frustrated about the Tate and Ebron Mm -hmm. thing and all the rest. Because it just it feels like that someone somewhere, be it Jim Bob Cooter or Bob Quinn or Matt Patricia, someone feels that they can just take small pieces away and everything will still be right as rain. And I think mm-hmm. what we're seeing yeah, out of no. Stafford is is that he he's like I don't know how good Stafford is overall. Like these have been some bad games for him. And 2016 is starting to get a little bit in the rearview mirror. I'm not re- ready to like kick him out as a lot of fans will. But at the same time too, like he's clearly a quarterback that does need weapons to work with. So, I'm sorry Ryan, you were you were on you were going on to something right there while I was plowing through.
0: No, that's fine. I, I was just going to say I I don't think that it was a I don't think it's a matter of like dismantling and I'm not sure if you entirely mean that word either, but I th- I think it's more so that, you know, Patricia comes in here and and maybe we just have like a conflict in 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 philosophy or we have a we have a different an opinion of, you know, if Patricia comes to town and, you know, the first, you know, the first overall pick for the Lions is a is a guard in Frank Ragnow and then they're moving up and they're getting a running back and clearly that is a point of emphasis. Like that was the takeaway from the off season is that the lions want to run the football. Like they clearly made a concerted effort to invest draft capital and go out and get Garrett blunt and free agency to run the football. But so do you think,
1: I think most fans thought it's like they were doing that just to be more balanced, not to just like, you know, go run first.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if they necessarily went run first either though, because I mean, they only ran the ball. Twenty-four times in comparison to throwing it thirty-six times, and I know they were playing from behind quite a bit during the game. But I, I don't think you'll see a Lions offense that'll truly be like run first, pass second. But there is, I mean, there there is something that's going on where it's, you know, Pat- Patricia's here now. Jim Bob Cooter was a holdover; he was a leftover. Uh, I, I mean, I'm. Did we ever really get an answer as to to why? that was the case. Uh, I'm trying to think back did, did we ever find out anything beyond, you know, Patricia and Quinn and Jim Bob, like having a meeting and deciding like, yep, that's good to go. Like, is he even Matt Patricia's guy? Like does Matt Patricia even care <laughs> whether or not like Jim Bob Cooter is going to be able to make things work? Like, obviously he wants to see his team win and succeed, but like, it's one of those things where it's like either he's going to have it work out and our team's going to be great or it's not going to work out and I'll be able to get my own guy in. Right, Like
2: I, and- Sorry, I don't know where that? we're
0: at with this. No, go ahead.
2: Uh, I mean, the way I see it playing out is, and I'm not going to say he kept Jim Bob Cooter around as like a buffer year so that he's the scapegoat at the end of the year and, and Matt oh, yeah. escapes his first year, you know, oh, it wasn't my fault, offense wasn't working, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, it, it kind of feels at least a little bit like that because without Golden Tate, this offense is turning much more into the Patriots offense than it is Jim Bob Cooter's offense. It's becoming those more two tight end or two wide receiver sets where they are kind of emphasizing the run game, not making it the the primary focus, but making sure that it's working that way. And I just don't think that plays to Matthew Stafford's strength. I don't think it plays to the personnel strength. Maybe it does now that they've gotten rid of Golden Tate. But I look around the league and I look at the Chiefs, I look at the Rams, I look at the Saints. They're this kind of air it out, throw it three hundred for 350 yards every week kind of thing. And they have to do it because they have a bad defense. The Lions have a bad defense. Why aren't they kind of following that blueprint? Because at the very least, it'll make the team exciting and fun to cover. They are not yeah. fun. And they are not exciting. They're not efficient on either side of the ball. and And they're trying to be something that they aren't on offense right now. And I just don't get it.
1: I think you're cribbing John Whitaker's point from Twitter as well is that they're not good and they're not fun. And that combination is the deadly sin. Like you can be not good, but be fun or you can be good, maybe not fun, but at least you're winning and people will be okay with it. It's, it's both right now. Right? Like, and, and the idea you, you brought up that they want to become the new England Patriots offense. I don't know if I want that Jeremy, because that means, Oh, okay. We're going to turn into that team out there. That was, you know, Cordell Patterson. That's the future of this Lions identity, huh? Like that's, that's fine. I know they're winning right now, but I don't think you're, you're right. Like you look at the saints, you look at the Rams. That's the future of the NFL right there.
2: It feels like it, right?
1: It it really does. Like, I mean, I know the Patriots are seven and two and yet I watched that Sunday night game and I felt like I could not feel that confident in their win, even though it was a 14 point. Swing by the end of the game. A lot of that came because of some really terrible mistakes made by the Packers at the end. But it feels like the Patriots are kind of on borrowed time, whereas the Chiefs, the Rams, and the Saints are all they they've they've adapted to the, the new principles to heart. They're they're the new school. And I know everyone's going to pound the chest and talk about NFL defenses catching up, but I mean, man, that Saints Rams game was a lot of fun, man. <laughs>
0: It was a lot of fun but I mean the other thing that we need to keep in mind too is like both those teams are stock loaded to the brim full of like offensive skill position players like few other teams in the in the NFL like look at look at all your fun teams you you just you just named you just named the Chiefs too like those three teams right there probably account for maybe I don't know like the majority of like the fun in the NFL (laughs) because like they have so many incredible offensively skilled players from Kareem Hunt to Tyreek Hill to Travis Kelsey, you know, like these teams just have so much talent and like maybe the Lions just don't have as much talent or like the talent isn't as good. I mean, is it any surprise? Like, I mean, we would talk about maybe, you know, it might be a little bit too on the nose, but like this literally happened. The Lions tried to acquire Robert Gronkowski. Yep. Yep. Like that happened. Like, I mean, the, the lions tried to go out and get the tight end. That was so Uber. And I mean, so like so crucial to the Patriots, like effectiveness on offense, they went out and tried to get that guy. And that guy did not want to come here.
1: Yeah. And of course we're, we're go- We're going into the semantics again. Cause I remember we, we did this before, right. Where it's like, does he not want to go to Detroit or does he just want to play with Tom Brady? And there's different interpretations of that. All right, right. yeah. I mean, I
0: don't, I don't, even, I don't even. I was just gonna say, I don't even care about that. I'm just, I'm, I'm talking to the point of Jeremy saying, yeah. like, you know, maybe the Lions are trying to be more like the Patriots on offense. Well, yeah, they literally tried to go out and get their tight end.
1: Yeah, and if we're talking about talent, once again, we're gonna have to come back to Golden Tate at some point when it comes to about those other teams being supremely talented with wide receivers. All right, it's fine. We're gonna get Brandon Marshall. Everything's gonna be okay. Good. Good God. All right, so. We kind of went over there a bit, but I'm going to give you two minutes. Looking at this division now, we usually do these NFC North segments as our third segment. And so we're going to be talking about coaching staff in a second. But like two, three minutes on this. And I think we started talking about it with Golden Tate. And like, are the, are the Lions done contending for this division?
3: If we went over on the last segment, let me be very brief. The Lions 2018 season is over.
0: I think that mathematically the Lions are still still in the thick of it when it comes to the race for the NFC North.
1: We want people to keep listening to the podcast.
0: That's what I want to hear. (laughs) You're welcome. I always give the people what they want. Here's the thing.
3: This team is so
2: ill-equipped to face teams like the Vikings and the Bears and those just so happen to be the two teams that are at the top of the division that I don't see them beating either of them once this year. And I don't see either of them. I don't see them coming close to them because you look at the other teams on the schedule, you look at the Panthers, they're a good defensive team. You look at the Rams they are a good defensive team and an offense that is just going to tear apart this defense unless something changes very quick.
3: And then by that time, you know, the Lions are what three and seven. I don't know. Yep, yeah. Uh, and then, then maybe they clean up on some teams like the Cardinals and the Bills. But at that point, the season's over. I,
2: I just – I don't see how you look at the schedule. You look at how this team has played in the last two weeks, and you see anything other than a 5-11 and 11 team. And that's something I haven't said about this team in a long time because I've – my mantra every offseason is that I don't think this team loses more than nine games with Matthew Stafford at quarterback, but you're staring it down the barrel of a very, very, very bad season right now.
1: You really are, and like I think the thing we missed the most, because I obviously kept looking at the Bears thinking that they would come back down to earth, and let's be let's be clue, Mitch Trubisky didn't have a good game against the Bills yesterday, but their defense tore apart Nathan Peterman, who has no, who has no excuse being in the NFL, I will say, with all confidence in the world. But like I think, I think each time we talk about the Lions getting better, we, we, I think we underestimate sometimes how much better their nfc counterparts are getting and i think when you're looking at this division i think the (laughs) the 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 packers are probably the only one in the division outside of maybe the Lions. i don't know which direction the Lions are going i think the packers are going the wrong direction though and the vikings and the bears are trending up where are the lions going i really don't know but it's it's really hard i I, i'm with jeremy it's really hard to see anyone taking this nfc north crown that isn't the bears or the vikings right now (coughs) that's a statement about the Bears I thought I would never make before
3: this year began. Go Vikings.
1: Oh, don't even do that. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, I want to talk about several names. They're front office names, they're coaching names, they're names people want to hear about and talk about rather than the players. And I suppose we are just going to have to dive into it. Tear the Band-Aid off and just really get into the nitty and gritty of these names. We will be right back with Predator Detroit PODcast. Predator Detroit PODcast round three. Bing, bing. Ringing that bell. Ringing that bell. Ringing that bell. I really want to go back to talking about the Fortnite jerseys or something. Or even talk about like Blizz, like Overwatch. You guys have we haven't even talked about Overwatch in forever. I know you're like there was a new hero at BlizzCon, and I'm saw you guys talking about it in the Slack. And
0: it, it wasn't it wasn't me. I mean, because I haven't played that game since last Christmas. I know, you've been way out of it, but way out of it.
3: Way out of it. Just like
1: the Lions are way out of it. Perfect. <sighs> so I know it is pretty quickly to set to, de- to go today straight to Jim Bob Cooter. And I think we should just start there before I throw in my great big butt. So, mm-hmm. after this game, how much of this blame is on Jim Bob Cooter?
0: I mean, I, I feel like a lot of this offensive performance can can kind of be chalked up to some um inequities and some inadequacies and some failures on the part of Jim Bob Cooter for sure like Jeremy Jeremy's right like i think the personnel definitely belongs um definitely belongs like some shoulder of the blame for sure because there's an ex- execution element that that's always present and always always very cognizant but the the things that i saw on sunday just seemed like they were they were failures on the coaching staff and i mean we talked about a lot of them like the the, the play calling when it comes to like the delayed screens or you know, the, the, the god-awful flea flicker um i don't know how much more predictable the Lions can be on play action when stafford rolls out and i mean <laughs> uh i th- was it uh i think it was kendrick's that basically ran the route for luke wilson on the uh on the play action play um it was either i forget if it was wilson or roberts whatever the tight ends don't matter on this team they're <laughs> basically one in the same um but yeah i it, it's it's just it, it's pretty clear that whatever is going on right now from a game planning standpoint with the offense is just not it's not working it's not working and it, it's not just the vikings game it, it goes back into the seahawks game um uh there there's definitely something that there there's a disconnect between the personnel and the coaching staff and it seems kind of fair to to put the the you know the the brunt of the blame on on Jim Bob Cooter I'm yeah.
2: totally with you um what one of the things that I think people get stuck on is play calling and if I'm being completely honest I'm not that mad at Jim Bob Cooter's play calling obviously we had a couple uh, sticks and sticks in our craw from, from last game. But to me, it's just being uncreative schematically. Um, I, it, it's not fair to continually bring up Rams and Chiefs and, and Saints because those are the elite of the elite. But I'm just not seeing wide receivers getting open. I'm not seeing the lines being able to pick up seven, eight yards with ease. I'm not seeing crossing patterns and route combinations that are utilizing this team's s- skill position uh skills essentially to their best uh, abilities we know Kenny Galladay can go deep we know he's fast we know he has a little bit of work to do on his route running but we have all these other guys like Theo Riddick like uh Marvin Jones like even TJ Jones all of these skilled guys who have certain skills and I just don't see them being utilized to their best abilities and that's a problem and that falls on scheme and that falls on Jim Bob Cooter. And maybe, maybe Matt Patricia does have a little more hand in this offense than we'd like. And maybe some of that, and I know you want to get into this, Chris, maybe a lot of that falls on Matt Patricia, not Jim Bob Cooter. But right now, all all we know, because all we can see is the guy calling the plays is it looks like it's on Jim Bob Cooter. And if it's on Jim Bob Cooter, then then maybe he's the fall man this year. And maybe the lines go into next year with someone else. Um, but The offense just isn't working as good as it should be right now. And, uh, I mean, there are some external factors at play here, too. The defense obviously hasn't been helping the offense that much. Special teams has been an absolute disaster and and made Lions start their own drives inside their own 20. But that doesn't matter for for some of these other teams
3: that that have just as much offensive talent as they do. So, Uh, yeah.
0: Jeremy, what I want to say to your point, though, like, you know, you say, I don't want to keep on having to compare the Lions to the Chiefs and the Saints and the Rams and stuff. It, it, Like, it you should you should be doing that because Bob Quinn, when he let go of Jim Caldwell, said that this team was better than nine and seven. So if this team was better than nine and seven, where was the strength of this team? It's offense. And it's offense is clearly not operating at the level of efficiency and productivity that it should be. So because of that, like, I feel like there's a direct line from like that logic that says, you know what, the Lions should be put, they, they should be putting themselves up there with the best offensive, you know, units in the NFL, because on paper, you, I mean, not to steal the title of your weekly article, but like, I'm, I'm saying that like, on paper, like going into this season, like, was it not fair that, you know, was it not fair for Lions fans or even other people in the NFL to just take notice and be like, hey, the Lions have. Marvin Jones Jr., Kenny Galladay, Golden Tate. You know, they're, they're going to see how On Johnson was going to end up playing out. But those three receivers with Matthew Stafford, like on paper, like how many teams had better, better options at the wide receiver position going into this year? Like I think maybe the teams that we've mentioned and then where? You know, the Lions were definitely like a top five unit on paper for, for wide receiver talent. And now their offense can't even get into the end zone.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And if you were to tell Lions fans in the offseason season that, hey, you're starting running back by halfway through the season, he would be averaging five
3: seven a carry. How many of them would expect the Lions to be ranked? Let me check. 20th in points per game.
0: Ugh. Th- those things would not add up. Do not yeah. compute. They do not yeah. compute.
3: And and
2: and let's be clear here too. Matthew Stafford deserves a lot of this blame. He has played three. I think really bad games this year Thank last you. week last week against the seahawks first week against the jets and this week against uh against whoever we played whatever
1: can Can uh, i just say this too because like um i'm sorry I, I don't mean to jump in but like you you bring up stafford right yeah and like i think there was something we did though in that after 2016 we kind of convinced ourselves like this guy is now untouchable and a lot of the times i i kept bringing this up in in some of our past podcasts too where we talk about you know, hey, is Stafford really playing that well? And we'd always kind of pass the blame onto another position or onto the offensive line. And I think it, it did blind us for a little while at just some of these old problems of Stafford coming back. I don't think it's like as overblown as some people. Like I saw Rich Gannon today is, is doing the um, stat king line about Stafford. Again, I don't think it's, it's necessarily that, but there, there's definitely some problems. I think that Stafford was able to paper over for a couple of years.
2: Maybe, but I mean, I honestly think from the middle of the 2015 season to 2017, Matthew Stafford is playing at a top-five level. And he just, I mean, he's not right now at all. And I I don't know what that says about anything. I don't know what that says about Stafford. I don't know what that says about Jim Bob Cooter. I don't know what it says about the offensive line, about Matt Patricia. But Stafford was a guy who's been taking care of the ball quite well. Prior to this season, and this season has just been a mess. I don't know what he's doing out there.
1: All right. Well, there there is one more point I wanted to bring up, and I'm not going to play the rage corner music because I don't want to go that long on it. But if I can get a bit of a solo, a, solilo- a soliloquy, it's not the right word. I want
3: monologue, if you
1: will. Monologue. Look at you with the smart words, knowing vocabulary.
3: It's my. I still got a little L.A. boy in me hmm that was a good one I, I don't what what was the what was the pun about
0: la boy cali boy los angeles cali la language arts knowing oh. figurative language terms oh,
1: language arts oh okay you wow. new, No, you went right over my head with that that's good i like that i like that we've distracted ourselves from this all right a few minutes on this Because I know no one's like this is this is usually the way things go here in Detroit so far, right? Like the offensive coordinator seems to always be the first domino to fall when these things start to fall apart. It was it was uh, I'm not gonna get his first name right. Joe. Joe Lombardi, who fell way before Caldwell fell, right? Scott Linehan took a lot of the blame before the Jim Shorts got kicked out of the door along with him. Jim Bob Cooter probably out of the way, but I wanted to say one thing that Patricia is definitely to blame for right now. And it's something I've been really, uh, I was really upset about seeing through here. And I know fans don't want to hear it because fans like this attitude for some ungodly, stupid reason. Because Ashawn Robinson, like, you know, yelling at Deshaun Hand not to talk to the press. And, you know, be it Patricia suddenly melting down on and yes, I will call it a meltdown on Mike Rothstein to tell him to, you know, fix up his posture and all the other things that have been that has seen this team become very defensive and very unwilling to speak to people. I know that might play well with well with fans who see that as like what a sign of toughness or that they've been disrespected. I'm not sure what the logic is of it. Well, let me tell you that is that that's tilting. That's tilting right there. That is, you are not, we are not mad. We are not mad at all, and it is absolutely not affecting us. We, in fact, we are so not mad, we are laughing about it, kind of mad. There is, teams who are winners don't, and I know Jeremy's about to kill me for using <laughs> for using uh, cliches here, but teams who are winners are not fortresses. They're not. Not even the Patriots. Tom Brady, if he's not playing on Monday night, always goes on a radio show with Westwood one before their Monday night broadcast talks very candidly about how they played very candidly, even for a quarterback, especially for one like Tom Brady. I've got to say their locker rooms always are open during those league mandated uh, times to talk to people. It's not getting shut off. It's not seeing a Sean Robinson trying to tell Deshaun hand not to talk to anybody. It's not, you know, Bill Belichick, and get away with apparently ribbing some of the press every now and then, because guess what? He wins. And instead, you know, Patricia's yelling at someone to, to watch out for the their posture when, you know, he can't, you know, properly dress himself in the morning. Looks at. Let me just say this, because this has been a very defensive attitude for the team ever since he came to town. Literally the first thing that we were talking about, like within a month or so after him coming to town, him taking a very combative attitude with anyone, not outside the organization. Again, fans seem to really like that because why? Because they are combative themselves when they get mad and they want to see this, this team as a fortress, as an Island that cannot be assaulted by the lying evil press or whatever the hell. Like this, this, this is a team that's not acting mature. We want to talk about, you know, all those years about where we're talking about Jim Schwartz about whether or not he's got control over the team or something. We kind of brushed a lot of that off. I, Man, this this team's mad and it's showing that it's mad. And being mad is not good because people think, "Oh yeah, you get mad, you'll just fight harder." No, not really. When you're mad, you, when you tilt, and I'm using that word from game from video games now, tilting. When you start to tilt, you don't get better. I'm done.
3: That's Well, I yeah, I'd like to add just because I've now been in the room
2: when two of these kind of mini blowups have happened, one with Patricia and the, and the reporter. I don't I don't know if we're going to bleep that or not, but Hey, let's just say i'm people,
1: just going people, hey, people know everybody. who it is people know who it is like there's it's it's, it's been out there it's Whatever. been out there i don't care
2: and then i was also in there on friday when eshaun robinson to be clear was not mad at the media it's not entirely clear who he was mad at he was this just trying, trying to friday. shut
1: down to sean Hand, though well, no 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 Hold oh, on. No, friday friday events. Friday. yeah, yeah, yeah i'm yeah, talking yeah. about sunday my bad yeah,
2: my bad yeah, yeah. Go on. um friday he was just angry at something we don't exactly know what, but it was extremely tense in that locker room. And then based on what I hear on Sunday, I wasn't there in Minnesota. Mike Payton was. Obviously, some other people were. Um, that also sounded very tense, and a lot of it surrounded A'shawn. And you're right. This sort of tense anger never leads to good things. And I, it's I not don't productive. want people to point not to, to Tom Brady when he's mad and yelling at people on the sidelines. Suddenly, he's really great. That's, that's different. Yeah, that's, that's very
1: different than a locker room being this. Right. Yeah.
2: Now, I was there Monday today um, after the game, and I didn't sense any sort of that tenseness. Uh, it seemed very loose. But that if that sort of thing becomes commonplace, then yeah, I think that's something that could affect the team. And it's concerning to me because I I, I mean, granted, I'm still green in, in the locker room and all that. But I've, I've even heard some other reporters say that Friday when Heshon Robinson was essentially chasing down looking for somebody that's the most tense he's ever seen in a, a professional sports locker room. and that's not a good thing especially when at that point the team was 3 and 4 we're not talking 1 and 7 1 and 6 they were 3 and 4 a game out of first place and we just talked about how brutal the schedule looks going forward if this team is 3 and 9 i don't know what the hell that locker room is going to be like
1: I think, I think my point, though, well, just as a side note thing, too, remember when we were all kind of laughing about Dungeon of Doom, too, with Jim Caldwell? Right. This is this is leagues away from just a smarmy comment like that.
2: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll
1: see. But, like, I think that kind of an attitude, though, that, that's, on, that's on the head coach. That's start, stop, head coach, top leadership. And if Patricia can't put a, can't put a cork in that, then, man, that says a lot about him. That says a lot about him in my eyes. I know that's not scientific. I know that's not. But like I've 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 talked with enough athletes on the outside who just seem to have this opinion. And there are going to be more people who are going to start talking up about this locker room and Patricia's control over this team. It's going to become a it's going to become a talking point before long if this tre- if these trends continue. Ryan, do you want to weigh in at all? Or are you to, you uh?
0: Nope, I think it was all pretty much said and done. Nice job, gentlemen.
1: I can never tell when you when you say something like that if that is like a positive or if it's just like
0: <laughs>
1: you're you really let getting... me
0: let okay. me clear things let me clear things up for you. This okay. team does not elicit any confidence whatsoever. <laughs> the coaching staff is on thin ice with me right now. For a multitude of reasons. You're holding back something. I mean, they have... No, I, I'm not. They just... I mean, they have every... I mean, it's it's their first season. But at the same time, like things aren't going well. Like, How can you explain how this team can play the way that it did against the Jets and then how it played the way it did against the Patriots, how it did against the Packers, and then how they show up against the Seahawks coming off of a big road victory against the Miami Dolphins? Like, if there was anybody... I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to... I don't want to be that guy, but remember Jim Caldwell always talked about not playing too high, not playing too low, like not, not letting yourself get too far away from the middle, which I mean, I guess is kind of funny because his last two seasons, he ended up nine and seven here. (laughs) But at the same time, like, do we see how this like team is, is like either like looking like it could be a legitimate, like, you know, a legitimate, not contender, but at least like a, a player in the NFC. And then the next week they go and lay such an egg against Seattle that everybody is doom and gloom. I mean, there's something that needs to be said about that. And I don't think it's necessarily just the players.
1: Do You think it's funny that it used to be that we would always say this team always beats up on bad teams, but they can't win against good teams. And now somehow the two biggest wins for the Detroit lions are against, you know, teams led by Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, but then they can't beat the 49ers and the jets and the, and the Seahawks.
2: Yeah, there's something to be said of it. And that's why a lot of people were like, oh, wouldn't it be just like the Lions to beat the Vikings after they dropped that horrible game against
3: the Seahawks? I'm like, no. They always (laughs) lose to teams that good. Are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, it's it's a rough one to figure out. And I I feel bad for diluting this pool now with all this smart talk with my little rant. So we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to be opening up the mailbag. We'll be right back. Mel Time. Mail Time. Mail Time. Oh. Mel Time. News Heater. Here. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to Mail time. Hashtag ask P-O-D, as always. Oof, I'm not looking forward to this particular mailbag. <laughs> um, Are you
2: saying fans didn't send us really nice fun questions
3: this week? Are they upset about something?
1: Uh, I can't tell. <laughs> In the interest of that, we're not going to read reviews. I, I'm almost done with reviews to be honest.
2: Uh, let me just read one. I'm going to skip the one star reviews because screw them. Who cares? And...
1: Whatever. People are just trolling us at this point. Like, whatever. Yeah, read uh, read the review you've got.
2: I, I, yeah, I'm going to read the review because it's about me, and I, I'm going to address it. Addict thirteen gave us four stars. Says best lines podcast I found. But seriously, Jeremy, get a better microphone set up. Five stars if you don't sound like you're in the bathroom. It's
3: Addict funny thirteen.
1: Enough, yeah, I'm go on, getting go on. a
2: new mic for Black Friday. If anyone can find me one, let me know. But I'm definitely getting a new one soon because. I, I didn't know my mic sounded this bad because t- I don't typically listen to our own podcast. But I listened the other day. I'm like, wow, everyone else sounds really good. And I sound like, crap, what happened here? So I figured it was settings on my mic, but I, I messed around with it. And I don't know what's going on. So I'm just going to get a new one.
1: See, it's funny enough, too, because there were once I moved out to L.A., we had those like radio free P.O.D. West sessions where I didn't have Internet because I was living out of an of, of an extended stay because someone screwed up my my apartment. and. I was at your place and we were recording there. And yet at first, like, cause I think I brought my mic one time and like, we tried plugging it into your thing. And I, I, th- I thought at first, okay, maybe it's just the acoustics in this room, but then like, maybe it, the, now it's this. And I'm like, maybe it's, maybe it's the soundboard on your laptop. I really don't know.
3: It's, I think it's, it's, it's very probably vexing. It's, it's not a very good mic. I'm just yeah. going to get a new mic.
1: But I'm just saying like, we had my own mic over there. And I don't know if it was that much better. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, Okay. Let's find a question that doesn't make me red right off the bat. Ryan Collins asking us, who is the goat of competitive eating among the POD staff?
3: Man, I I don't think I know you guys well enough. Like we've never really had any sort of endurance
2: eating tests. Have we?
1: We've had endurance drinking tests. That's for sure. Grand Um, Rapids. I'm no good at
2: that. <laughs> you two were, I think you two were ahead of the class on that
3: one.
1: Me and Ryan? Yeah. I don't remember much about Grand Rapids anymore,
0: to be honest. <laughs> you, Ryan? Um, I, know, I know that I can eat with the best of them. So
1: yeah, I think I'm going to, I think I'm probably going to go with Ryan because I think once we get like a little, a few presidentes in him, <laughs> he can just start like, he, he can just go to town.
2: I will say this, I downed three quarters of a Jets pizza after that game on
1: Sunday.
0: Oh my god. That is, um, that is some... <laughs> that is a new level of, like, eating your feelings.
1: <laughs> Ooh. All right. Now we get into some depressing questions. I'm going to try to take the most tolerable one right now. Susan Bakush, why should I still be excited about this season? Give me five reasons. Oh boy. <laughs> five? Each gives yeah. one and then I'm not the one that gives two. Sure, we can try.
0: All right, here we go. I got one and I'm going to steal one that probably either of you want to use first. And that's why I'm going first. Carry on Johnson. God damn it. <laughs> Sucks to suck.
1: Uh, Kenny Galladay.
3: Snacks, the most- baby. Give me- Snacks is actually very fun to watch. If you just focus on him the entire
2: game, the Lions' defense looks pretty good.
1: This is this is pivoting off something I want to say because I was talking with Ryan about this. That Ryan, you were making the comment, I think, on Twitter or in our Slack that you're starting to get to that age where you're turning more into a fan of individual players in a macro sense than you are of teams. Totally. Like, and I, I think that's a very liberating place to be though. And I think that's why I think our first three of five answers here have all been players, right?
0: <laughs> I, I think so. Like for me especially. And I, I don't I don't even really think that like fantasy has like turned me into this, but it's just been like when I look at the draft now, like I, I kind of like I kind of grow fond of like certain players over other players either because of like hearing about their backstory or um You know, just being impressed with like who they are as an athlete, like that totally is the reason why I've you know fell head over heels in love with Patrick Mahomes, for sure. So I mean, like watching him, you know, throw hundred, throw for seven hundred plus yards in a FBS game, like I mean, that's incredible. So,
3: so reason number four to watch the Lions: Patrick Mahomes.
0: Patrick Mahomes. That was what I was getting (laughs) to. Thank you. (laughs) I. You know what? Reason number five. In all honesty, though, because we're counting the Patrick Mahomes one as, as an answer, <laughs> is like, if you watch the Lions, you do eventually get to watch the Rams this season.
2: Oh, that That's game true. is going to be. Oh, God, that game. That is going to
0: hurt.
1: That is going to hurt. Like, I am not one of these people who are, like, bagging on the Rams because they lost to the Saints. I can't do that. Like, the Rams are still insanely good, and it's going to hurt
0: a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, think. Yeah, and speaking yeah. of. Say uh, real quick. Speaking of hurt, though, like it's kind of funny how like you know you watch football and you're like now like now that you're a little bit older you're like oh my goodness gracious like and now that we know what we know about concussions and things like that it's like I just want everybody to come out of the game healthy and safe but at the same time like that Rams game is just like I want blood <laughs> like
1: the Rams are see a, what, the Rams are yeah. a team that inspires bloodletting in your in your in your veins like you want to see like blood and sweat.
0: I just want to see what the Rams can do against the Lions defense. Like, is, is 50 points off the table? No, absolutely. In the first half?
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, just,
1: it's, like, it's like that Lakers game the other night, where it's like the Raptors put like 70 on them and a half.
3: Chris is a new Cali boy.
1: Oh, we were just watching it while we were watching. It was on one of the other TVs while we were watching the Packers pats game.
3: While you were doing yoga?
1: I, I do not do yoga. How <laughs> dare you? Don't do that You to should me. do yoga. I should. My attitude's been very poor lately. My my energy's been up and down. My chi is out of balance, man. <laughs> oh, boy. It's getting oh boy. worse. Uh, okay. Joseph R. Sweeney has a lightweight question for us. Then we start getting into some serious stuff. Did we hit five there? I don't. Don't, don't, yeah. don't correct me if we didn't. I had another answer to throw in there too, and now I've completely forgotten it. You're welcome. Uh, you know what? You know what? I will say as 5A, joining up on our Discord <laughs> and, the fan, and the people there. I haven't been in there much, but shout out to them. Our Discord, the link is in my Twitter bio. We have fun conversations in there. People play games. And uh, yeah, it's the new generation, man. It's the new generation. It's the same generation is watching Thursday Night Football on Twitch spamming no-flag poggers, which only makes sense if you are below a certain age demographic.
0: Younger than me. That's for you. Even I'm not young enough to get that.
1: <laughs> to, to know what poggers is?
0: Nope, way over my head. Okay, cool.
1: Joseph R. Sweeney 5. Jeremy, this is for Jeremy, Great. seeing how it, you ended up having your first cameo in the locker room, How would you rate how bad a locker room smells on the Sean Rogers Memorial Stank of Shame grading scale sponsored by Dats, Nasty, and Kroger's? One, fish tacos with onions. Two, cutting a sleep-rumpled Wayne Fontes after a cigar and brandy bender. Oh, cuddling. Not cutting. Cuddling Wayne Fontes. Three, bottom of the pile with snacks on top of you in the fourth quarter. Either pits or ass, you choose. (laughs) <laughs> Four, far work. Five, raw sewage. Six, Mike McCarthy's perceived smell.
3: Uh, I think snacks. Let's go with snacks. Armpit, not ass.
2: It's like when you turn the corner towards the locker room,
3: it hits you. It hits you like a a ten year old hockey glove. It's it's bad.
1: give your own description of it. That doesn't match one of those. Like how would you I
3: just 10 year old hockey glove is, is the lion's locker room.
1: I've, I've never had a hockey glove. That's 10 years old.
2: People who play hockey know that a hockey glove is maybe one of the worst smells ever.
0: Ryan, can you confirm? All right. Yeah. Let me tag in here. So for somebody who's played hockey for virtually his entire life, the smell of a hockey glove is pretty unique like it's got some like vinegar tones to it um it's not quite easy but it it's very pungent and it's so bad um that even for a person like myself like i don't really like to shake hands with people on a monday because i played hockey on sunday and you i both washed and sanitized my hands yeah. new no, it's like at least like a 48 hour turnaround for my hands to smell normal I, I've it's been bad. told it's shaving bad.
2: cream helps, but I have not experienced anything that helps.
0: Well, this is going... I've never really even... <laughs> <laughs> I've never I've never really, like, done any research to be like, how to make my hands not smell um, after playing hockey. Because, like, at this point, it's just like, that's just who I am, man. Like, if you can't <laughs> get over, like, my hands my hands smelling like they've been like milling about in garbage.
2: If you can't love
3: me at my hockey glove smell, you don't deserve me (laughs) at my rose smelling. Totally. I don't
1: know. Okay. Let's see what other questions we have. I'm trying to find some that are at least like fun for us to deal with because as like a lot of these are asking about Jim Bob Cooter. We've already addressed Jim Bob Cooter. So I, I, Let's see here. Um, I think we talked about this earlier from L. Eleven Sue. You uh, would you give Hugh Jackson an eight game interview at offensive coordinator?
3: No. Why Hugh just embarrassed himself in Cleveland? Why would we want any piece think, of that?
1: Yeah. Do you think he's just going to get a new offensive system up and running, like within those eight weeks too? And it's going to be fine
3: pass
0: yeah i don't want anything to do with you jackson
1: (laughs) critical perspective asking us what is the worst job you've ever
0: had (laughs) oh boy i'll let somebody else go before i go because i I might I i might go a little long on this
1: yeah i might i i i'm kind of worried now i'm almost terrified of sharing sharing my uh Cause I'm always worried these people come after me too, but it was definitely, um, it was, it was probably the one moment where I decided to stop being a web designer and a, and a web developer it was when I got hired on by some guy who one in 2016, wanted to sell a board game. He had designed in the nineties about presidential elections and he wanted to turn around and try to sell it for 2016. And I think this was back in 2015. He was trying to gear up for the next year. And I took one look at this game and it was like, it it looked like he had cut the, the the cards by hand. And the boxing, he hadn't come up with new boxing since, again, the 90s. So you can imagine what the what the things looked like. But he was insisting that he could sell this stuff, that I could turn around and somehow figure out a, a marketing. So suddenly it goes from... I want you to make a web a page for it to I want you to also lead up marketing for it. And like, uh, and he, and I asked him, I was like, well, I, I have no business doing marketing. What do you want me to do? And he's, he, he wanted me to take this game to the university of Toledo and try to find kids to play, to play it with. And bear in mind too, like at that time I was only, I was, I was in my late twenties, which isn't bad, but it's definitely not like, why are you like, you know, fit right in with undergrads on the university of Toledo campus age, you know? And this guy, I I should, I should even say too, like, this wasn't like someone who did board games for a living or anything like that. He, he ran a, a factory for glass powder that used to belong to Owens, like um, um, Owens, Illinois, a massive corporation in Toledo for glass used to own by that. He bought it for himself and he like sold it off to like DuPont or something. Like this is a guy who knew nothing about this kind of stuff. And the worst thing too is like you would imagine that this kind of thing would be handled remotely, right? No, he wanted me to work at like this shit old PC in the break room on the floor on the floor of this glass factory. And this was back when people hadn't really been taught how- any proper fucking behavior on how to vape. And this one guy would come out of there and vape the most sickly sweet scents possible on his vape pens. And there was someone who, as soon as she found out I was Catholic, was desperately trying to convert me to some sort of evangelical bullshit. And like the guy himself was kind of crazy and nutty and probably, absolutely, certainly voted for Trump. And I got paid very little to do this after, after I nego- tried to negotiate a different price for everything. And that was months off my life I'm not going to get back. And that's why I went back and went to journalism school, asking me, hey, Chris, why why'd you go back to school for a job that doesn't pay? Well, you know what? Because my other prospects were pretty well shit. I'm done.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I managed a dog daycare
2: slash kennel for three years. It was horrible. It smelled bad. The people I worked with were awful. The owner
3: was a terrible person and people are crazy about their dogs. The end. All right, Ryan, you're up.
0: Is it, is it my turn? Yes. Oh, working for Coca-Cola was, uh, was the worst job I've ever had to do in my entire life. And fun fact, I applied for pride of Detroit while sitting on, uh, a, a giant pallet full of 12 packs of, uh, I think it was Sprite. Um, but yeah, I was in the back room of a Meyer when I applied to Prada Detroit, which is probably the second best job I've ever had because teaching is numero uno.
1: Aww. Aww. That's
3: real nice. You're fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I really want to cut it there, but I almost feel like we have to take another question. Bonus. Bonus. Big Al. If T's Tabor is giving up a perfect passer rating to opposing quarterbacks, wouldn't the team be better suited by putting an extra f- defender in the box?
3: If you're if you're suggesting just not having somebody on a wide receiver and putting a guy to stop the
0: run, I'm not against it. <laughs> or maybe even just it. rush. Or maybe even just rush the passer, because I mean, can you do can you do worse than perfect? <laughs>
2: No, I, I'm surprised we went this long without even mentioning Tease Tabor or the fact that Ezekiel Alonso returned. But Ziggy I mean, only played yeah. 12 snaps or whatever and got a sack, Cray. But yeah, Tease is a mess right now. And getting to a point where you think he's probably not going to be on the team next year unless something turns around in the second half of the season.
1: A lot of people ask about Miles Killebrew to that effect as well. A lot of people uh, want you to know where Killebrew is. and uh, Special
2: teams. And that's probably all he'll ever be. Sorry. Yep
1: pretty much um once again question here from is this the year lions will the fords ever sell the team
3: who cares they're not the one managing it
1: (laughs) well i think more importantly just to the just to take the question itself is like uh, to give a question back why would they like all the all nfl teams just sit there and make money like you have to really, I think these days to like give up a, a, a sports team, you have to really be like incredibly pers- on a personal level disinterested and just frustrated with owning a team itself, or you have to be outed as just a horrible decrepit monster like Jerry Richardson and um, and uh, who was the guy who owned the Clippers? I forgot
0: uh, that, that No, that, Donald Sterling.
1: Donald Sterling, you have to be a decrepit monster who gets like shown to the world that you are a monster monster like Jerry Richardson or Donald Sterling to to be shown the door as an owner. That's like the only two scenarios or you basically have to or you basically have to die and your estate is like, we don't want to run this team. And beyond that, I'm
3: just, it's so friggin'
2: lazy to say, like, oh, the only constant since the Lions last championship was the Ford family. It's like, okay, sure.
1: Funny, yeah, because funny enough, before William Clay Ford died, it was the only constant was William Clay Ford, and we just moved the goalposts to include the entire Ford right. family. You
2: know what the only constant really is? The city of Detroit. Maybe it's your fault, city of
3: Detroit.
1: Oh, but, shit. Look at that heel turn. <laughs> Detroit fan in Wisconsin, regardless uh, of what.
3: Sorry, <laughs> the Lions
2: just fired their special teams coach.
1: Oh, wow. Hey, breaking news. What was his name?
3: Joe Marciano, fired.
1: Thank you for giving details. News late in a podcast. And I think this is, in speaking of special teams then, I think this is the perfect note to end it on from Detroit fan in Wisconsin. Regardless of what coaching changes come, as long as we sign Mule back for, for next year, I'm good.
3: I'm down
0: with it. Always celebrate Don back because I'm pretty sure he's played in more Lions games than any other Lions player. Didn't he break that record on Sunday? I think he did. Can that not be confirmed? I can confirm it for you. But if, if we're in the business of breaking news really late into the podcast, I also heard that uh, Des Bryant is going to be trying out for the... Uh, for the new orleans saints isn't that cool uh long snapper don muleback moved into second place on the lions all-time games play list with 220 don muleback forever baby
1: who's first who
0: cares is it, who's is first Hansen? is who's next
1: Thank you for listening to the Pride of Detroit PODcast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I am Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday, so go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you, Star Side.
2: Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart.